0: All right, I got to know. Yes, I'm about to activate it. No, 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 not that. What the hell does Kree mean? Well, actually, it means a lot of things. Um, loosely translated, it means uh, attention, listen up, concentrate. Yoohoo? Yes, in a manner of speaking. Huh. OK, here goes. Cree. Cree and yu from me to you, welcome to the Cree YooHoo podcast number 8, we're talking about the episode, The Knox." My name is Andrew, but you can call me Nefreyu, and today in this episode, it's a good old fashioned SG-1 stranded on another planet because we fucked up something on our way through and now we have to solve the riddle of this particular planet before we can get home. Probably the first one of these episodes, actually, and of course, it's the Nox. We learn much about them later that they're one of the original first five races. Uh, pardon me, four races. But the Tauri hopefully becoming the fifth in time. Um, yeah a seminal episode uh, in the life of SG-1. I give it six points straight away, because five for Walter and one for Chevron 7 Locked. We, We start out with the Secretary of Defense visiting, and it's the first of the civilians being displeased with the way the SGC is being run. It seems we've got SG-5 going out on a standard recon, uh, Carter mentions that we've been to nineteen separate worlds, and this is like kind of weird. If they've been operating for months with nine teams, that means each team has been to only two worlds. Plus, there's one left over. That's basically it. It doesn't really make much sense. They'd, I wish they'd keep better track of <laughs> their continuity on this kind of thing. They can't ever both ways. Either the SGC has been operating for months, and we just haven't seen it. Or they're kind of brand new to this and we haven't done that much. Because 19 is not much. Anyway, the Secretary of Defense wants some better technology. Tilk speaks up and tells us it's all, all about this uh, invisible thing the gold are hunting on this planet. Sounds like a mission to me. So we get in the gate and off we go, and it's another rainy, forested area, much like Vancouver in, in Canada where it's filmed. Um, hunting. It's, it's like a hummingbird with teeth. Fenril, and then suddenly the Stargate disappears, and oh gosh, we get another five points on the scoreboard because it's an episode that features going out of phase slash invisibility. (laughs) Is it the first one? I believe it is. Well, there you go. So we're about to trank this bird, and then zap, zap, there's some stuff, whip, and fire, and it's Apophis and his crew. He's just brought, like, four Jafar with him to go hunting on this jaunt. Why the hell does Apophis show up right now at the exact time? I don't know. Unless he just spends every day there. But God, does Peter Williams look good in that gold suit, doesn't he? (laughs) Especially with those eyebrows that are painted on. Uh, Oh no, my DVD was freezing again in this episode, so I lost about one and a half minutes here where um, they're deciding what to do about Apophis, and then it picks up again where they've just laid the trap in the little gully. Um, Oh yeah, so if there was any uh, points missed in that one and a half minutes in there make sure you email me and we will update it I'll take your word for it so they lay the trap they spring the trap and we kill some Jafar but we've got the personal defense shield for the first time and everybody sort of dies which is another thing except Tilk he gets uh, disappeared um, and we get the very very first standoff with Apophis and Tilk and he calls him the Shulva shield tubular bells. Tau Shaka Bell. I die free. Yeah, well, it wasn't really necessary to translate that to English, since... He's speaking the native language of Apophis, but anyway, thanks for translating that for us, Tilk. Did you notice how he didn't say Shalkek Nemron right there, which is the... I die free. (laughs) I'm not actually into the gold language that much. I just... You pick up things here and there, right? So, yeah, Tilk gets invisibled away, and... Apophis is confused, and then everybody wakes up, and they're healed by the knocks in these little grass huts. And this is the second time Daniel has been brought back to life from a staff blast wound, and the first time was in the feature film. So it's familiar for him, but... Uh, Carter and O'Neill kind of disoriented. <laughs> don't you love how Daniel goes and starts poking Sam in the ribs? Well, I don't know where he's poking her, but she's got a hole in her front. And then she immediately goes over and starts streaking <laughs> O'Neill's back. Through his uh through his uh ripped open uniform. Kinda kinky, this SG1 team. Um so the Nox pop up and we talk to them and the little one talks first. Nafray you. Anyway, we get a very, very short scene with the poffus being pissed off, and we get a push and swell. This is another point there, so that makes it twelve points so far. Um we find out that Nox speak English. Well, of course they do. <laughs> these ones though they can actually uh yeah we can give it to these ones we can give them that because they explain that the nox have superhuman abilities and whatnot and they can learn really fast and absorb it um whereas all those other human slave planets they have no business speaking english (laughs) but maybe the nox do so this one is fine with that uh, the Nox sort of think the humans are just as bad because they were the aggressors in the trap. But um Teal'c mentions that he's never seen such a device talking about the personal defense shield on uh, Apophis. Which is really weird because he was the first prime of Apophis and would have been following him around a lot and everything like that. Really weird that he's never seen that before. I guess they're trying to preempt us when we say, uh, How did Apophis survive that attack? Why didn't Teal'c just tell them not to go into the attack because of the defense shield? They're trying to yeah defeat all us fanboys. But good fucking luck with that. <laughs> so the Nox want the humans to leave. And uh, the humans assume that the Nox are powerless. Because they look like children of the forest from Game of Thrones or whatever. Don't you love the headdresses? They're very cool. Like they're growing grass out of their skin. <laughs> and the, the Nox woman, she is so cute. Little fragile slender thing. Like a twig. Just cute as Dickens, isn't she? And the kid, yeah. Um, So we get some talking about our ways and your ways and that. That's really what makes this episode so important in the SG-1 canon is that it was the first time we were really put in our place. Like the gold uh, are the bad guys, the opposite, the negative, that we're always trying to kill. But these guys are above and beyond the rivalry. They can transcend that because they have the power and the, the wisdom. Good for them. (laughs) It foreshadows um, the Tolan later, and of course the Asgard. And then there's the replicators who are kind of the opposite. They're a scourge for both humans and gold alike, uh, rather than being above a problem for everybody. But anyway, it's the Nox. We only spend this one episode with them, but you kind of just love them, don't you? You fall in love with them. They're very memorable. Anyway, so um, we find out that one of the wounded Jafar is being healed here as well, Shackle, which is (laughs) quite an apt name. Like he's being shackled and taken prisoner or something. Anyway, uh, we it's the first time we hear the word First Prime being used. And I suppose we just really know what it means? this shackle. He served in my command when I was First Prime of Apophis. Hmm. There you go. Uh, we figure out that we can't leave because there's unfinished business and whatnot. Uh, we can't just leave the Nox because we, we don't want to abandon them. They're all powerless and Apophis is going to bust them up. We have a scene about a Apophis being pissed. There's quite a few of those scenes. It's just a really quick scene to keep him in the story. <laughs> it's like 20 seconds long. We pop over and we see Shackle. He wakes up. He deceives you. He is awake already. That's really cool, isn't it? Teal'c tries to convert him. Shackle's not having it. Is that the first time Teal'c really even speaks of his beliefs and tries to convert another Jafar? I think it is. Certainly the first time he's uh, said he's going to die free. This is the first time that Tilker's actually encountered the gold after uh, the first two episodes. So the Nox have stolen the weapons, or hid them, so that they can't be used for violence. So O'Neill decides to build a bow. <laughs> it's bow-building skills. And it's really funny that he not only makes the bow and all the arrows which look identical and mass-produced in a props factory. <laughs> but he also has time to fashion a quiver out of some straw f- or flax that's been woven together. <laughs> Don't you love that? And he's talking with one of the elder knocks, and then Daniel's talking with the other one, trying to coax some knowledge and information out of them and get them to share, but they're just not budging. We realize that they're over 400 years old, and there's your first clue that they've got something that humans don't. We didn't listen! We didn't listen! We get told that the Nox are the ones with the invisibility powers rather than the Fenrir bird. Uh, O'Neill's pretty pissed about this, but um, he doesn't understand. It's not our way. They are not our ways. We get another little scene with Apophis being pissed. <laughs> Three scenes that are just nothing but Apophis being pissed for like ten seconds and then glowering at his (laughs) Jafar. Really good storytelling. Keeps him in there. Keeps him in the audience's mind. Tilk once again tries to convert Shackle, but he is secretly stronger than we think, and he stabs Tilk in the side and escapes, also pretty much killing the Knox woman, so they have to do another magic nature seance, um, and Shackle sees this, and they're like, oh no, now Apophis will know that it's you, and he'll come hunting you. So so we're even more determined to go and get Apophis, and we're out to hunt him, but Nefreyu tags along, and Apophis catches him and brain fries him, like scrambled eggs on toast, baby. And we get this wonderful stuff about the very young not always listening. Here we go. I him to go home. I told you to sing. The very young do not always do what they are told. So that's really great. The first time we get the mirroring of mirror bang rang. A mirroring, mirroring of humans as sort of infants in the intergalactic sense, which they are, because this is episode uh, 8. We, Even though we've visited a whole 19 planets, we're hardly uh, conquering heroes or all-knowing. I mean, when you consider the Nox have been hanging out with the old Terrans and whoever the fuck the Furlings are in the Asgard... I mean, these human pipsqueaks show up, of course. They're going to look down on them, as one would a little precocious child. So we think we're going to leave the knocks. We have this little fake-out thinking that we're going to leave them to their seance for Nefreyu. But it's really just using them as bait for the next trap. We think we've figured out the personal shield, and we think we can bust through it with the bow and arrow. And I thought this was the episode where Colonel O'Neill just throws the knife at him. But unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> because um, just as we spring the trap, and I know Daniel Jackson fries a guy with a staff weapon, just BAM! He's dead. Jafar. As soon as we get in close, uh, the Nox intervene and just disappear Apophis. And we're pissed off, and it's over, the episode is done, and we're leaving. And we get to where the gate is, and what, the Nox show up again to just wrap up things with a little chit-chat. They say they sent Apophis through. Now, my question is, first of all, when they disappeared him right in front of Jack, O'Neil. Uh, wasn't he still right there, just invisible? <laughs> well, they clearly abducted him at the same time, I guess. And they sent him back, somehow. So they have telekinetic abilities, or they knocked him out cold? I don't know how that works. I'm sh- if there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that they did not uh, talk him into leaving. <laughs> and then they say, we sent your weapons back uh, to your home ahead of you. And my question there is... Do they know about iris codes? I'm pretty sure the weapons would just have been splattered. And for that matter, we don't get anything about the IDC when SG-1 marches back through the gate. So, yeah, the last line is it's just really good, so let's play it. Yeah, speaking of the Stargate, fear for us. Yes? Yes. Why? It is our way that the strong defend the weak. We're afraid for you. Before you go on the end, there is something we would have you see. Oh, yeah! Oh, that is massive! One day you will learn that your way is not the only way. Maybe we will. Or maybe we won't. Yeah, so the episode is over, but now I gotta... Ask you guys, because my memory does not uh, serve me well in this respect. Is this the very last time that we see the Nox? I think it is. I don't think they're ever seen again. They are referred to, of course. But you know what? I'm not sure they ever actually uh, show up even in, like, backstory. I'm not even sure that we even make contact with them ever again. Hmm. Quite an episode, huh? These guys just show up for a very brief amount of time. They really steal your heart. And they uh, establish themselves (laughs) really well in the rest of the series. Really important episode, kinda cool, kinda tiresome, as a lot of these early ones are, but good nonetheless. So let's tot up the points, and I make it 13. Not a high-scoring one, but still important nonetheless. So that's all for now, and join me next time for Brief Candle, another really iconic episode which uh, features altering people's DNA! Quite a lot of that going on later in the series, isn't there? Ah, there's so many firsts in this first series so many firsts. (laughs) It's getting difficult to uh, keep track of them all. And I'd forgotten how long this series is. Here I am complaining. This was a good episode. The season altogether, eh, I'm sitting through it patiently, wishing for better times when we have uh, intergalactic spaceships of our own. (laughs) All right, cheers. See you next time.